What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the latest and the greatest of the Outspoken Podcast coming to I love to do every Monday and Thursday over the airwaves of OBNRadio.com. I appreciate you all so much for tuning in. I apologize for the delay. We had to switch locations as I do this broadcast from the second floor of the Memorial Student Center, better known as the MSC, and again, only on OBN Radio. You can visit our website at OBNRadio.com. Again, that's OBNRadio.com, channel 6. And tune in to the Outspoken Podcast by yours truly, Andre Davis, only on Mondays and Thursdays as we're going to kick things off with the NFL on today's show. And the call-in number, as always, 469-474-9370. Again, that's 469-474-9370. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to discuss. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the college football playoff rankings. And we're going to finish things off with the NBA. There was a game last night that was pretty interesting, if you all recall, the off season, and we'll get into that just a little bit later. But for now, we're going to kick things off with the NFL, particularly the suspension between Aqib Tlaib and Michael Crabtree. Now, I know I discussed this on Monday, but this is one of the things that I wanted to touch on yet again because there's been a little change-up, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not heard, the suspension between Aqib Tlaib and Michael Crabtree has been reduced to one to a one game suspension. No fines. No fines have been given out. It was a two game suspension and they reduced it down to a one game suspension. Now I said three games at minimum just because how crazy the brawl just took place. It was a big brawl. It was so at that point in time I said, you know what? Not only they're gonna get at least three games, but maybe they're gonna get a fine as well just because how big and how atrocious it was. It was a big brawl. Now, I'm going to start from the beginning because there was only one thing that really bothered me. Now, in terms of the play when it first started, when Michael Crabtree was going for the block and he actually shoved him, it was kind of like an excessive block. He shoved him out of bounds and they went to the ground and everything like that. That I didn't have a problem with. You know, you just get flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct, 15-yard penalty, game continues. No big deal in my opinion. What really bothered me was the aftermath. Just a brawl between everybody. Now, what what makes it funny? If you go back and watch this video, the team between uh, the, the teams between the Broncos and the Raiders, they're all on one side and they're all fighting amongst each other. If you notice, Akeem Talib and a few other players from the Broncos, along with Michael Crabtree, are off to the side. They're they're off to the right side. Everybody else on the other side is still brawling, still fighting amongst each other. And the key to leave and Michael Crabtree are on this side fighting. Now, as I said before, these brothers need to go back to the gym. They need to, they need to hire a sparring partner or whatever they can do because the fight was just awful. If you ask me, neither one of them can fight. Everybody's saying the key to leave won the fight because he got he kind of got one in on Michael Crabtree, even though it, he barely got that in. It kind of slid to the right just a little bit. But if you ask me, none of them can fight. 
It was just horrible. I don't understand why Michael Crabtree is still trying to punch Aqib Tlaib, and he got his helmet off. Aqib Tlaib still has his helmet on, which is a smart thing to do. I don't know why he, he – I don't know why Michael Crabtree still has his helmet off and still wants to fight, but that just shows you just the level of anger he was, uh, the, the level of anger he had, rather, at Aqib Tlaib for snatching his chain. And that's what we're going to get into, ladies and gentlemen, the snatching of the chains. Now, as I said this Monday, and I'll say it again here on Thursday, the last time I checked, snatching someone's chain was a crime. It was against the law. And if a key to leave, in my opinion, if he was on the street and he snatched somebody's chain, he would be arrested. Now, one of the things that really bothered me is the suspension. Not how many games they got suspended, but the fact that they have an equal amount of a suspension. Now, this is why I particularly feel like I'm going to give you know, a lot of rebuttals here. I feel like this is when a lot of people may disagree with me on this. But my opinion with this is I don't believe that they deserve the same amount. And Michael Crabtree agrees with me on this. When he talks to the reporters and the media and everything like that, he personally feels like he should not get the same amount of games as a key to leave. And, last, and I agree with him. Last time I checked, he wasn't the one snatching chains. Am I wrong? He was not the one snatching chain. A key to leave is the one that snatched the chain. I blame all of this on the NFL because I said before, last time these two teams met, January 1st, 2016 to be exact, or excuse me, 2017 to be exact, a key to leave did the exact same thing. He goes over on the sideline and he's laughing and giggling about it. Nothing happened. The NFL didn't do nothing. So what's Michael Crabtree do? Now, everybody's saying that, that, that this was premeditated by Michael Crabtree, and the reason why they're saying it is because uh, coming, coming into this game, he tied, uh, he taped his chain to his chest. So they're trying to say that because he did that, it was premeditated. I got news for you. So I, I, I call that being proactive. The reason why I call it being proactive is because he knew that he was going to be playing Akeem Tlaib in the Denver Broncos. Therefore, he knew Akeem Tlaib was going to try to try him again. And lo and behold, what happened? He tried him again, and he snatched the chain again. So I have zero problems with Crabtree taping the chain to his chest. I have no problem with that. What I do have a problem with is the fact that they got the same amount of games. I then that's unfair if you ask me. I, I just don't understand it. I want to hear from you. Four six nine four seven four nine three seven zero. Again, that's four six nine four seven four nine three seven zero. Again, this this is just awful. I I sincerely don't understand it. I asked you all before if you were on the streets and somebody snatched your chain. You mean to tell me you wouldn't just have just a little bit of aggression, just a little bit. I mean, seriously. That's how I feel about it. But nonetheless, that's what happened. That's what happened. Again, 469-474-9370, we, we, we have to We have to do something about this. We really do. Again, there's 15 minutes played in the quarter in the NFL. When this took place, there were still 12 minutes left in the first quarter. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Crabtree told his teammates going to this game what he just might do. You've had that happen to you before. You know you got that one person on your job that you just can't stand, that you dread going to work because you know you have to face him or her every day, and they're just going to piss you off to some sort of degree. We've all experienced it. It wouldn't surprise me if Michael Crabtree told his teammates coming to this game. Matter of fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he told him all week long at practice that if this man does something, if he tries to snatch my chain, I'm going to have my chain taped down. And if he still attempts to snatch it, there's going to be hell to pay. I just want you all to know that. Whether you all have my back or not, that's what I'm planning to do. At this point, it's not even about football. Everybody's throwing football into the equation. Who Michael Crabtree is, who a key to lead is, who they are, rather, what they represent, not just on their respective teams, but in society. This is not a good look. Let me explain something to you. At a certain point, it's about respect. And last time I checked, we as humans can't put anything above that. We say it all the time. In order to get respect, you have to give it. Respect is earned. It's a whatever you want to call it. We put respect over anything. Why is this any different? That was about respect. That you can't just go around doing things any way you want and expect to get away with. Something is just not cool. They're just not cool. And as far as I'm concerned, I have zero problems with the way Michael Crabtree reacted to a key to lead. At that point, he did what he had to do. Now, you might can say he initiated it with the excessive blocking. But if you go back and watch the video, Akeem Talib snatched his chain before Michael Crabtree took him to the ground. They were still in the field of play. It wasn't until Akeem Talib snatched his chain when Crabtree decided to take it to the next level. That's when things got heated. And I have zero problems with it. And again, one game suspension. Again, I'm not worried about how many games, but you can't tell me that they deserve the, the, the same level of punishment. You can't tell me that. I'm sorry. The key to lead deserves more. But this is what happens when the NFL doesn't get behind these situations. This is what happens. We, they say it all the time. We should let the NF, you should let the NFL fight your battles. Learn how to pick your battles. Let the NFL fight your battles. Well, this is what happens when the NFL doesn't do what they're supposed to do. They didn't get behind this last year. Knowing that these two teams are going to play each other again this year. They didn't get behind it. This is what happens. So I hope you're happy. You get a brawl on your hands where you don't step in front of the situation. And stepping in front of it would have been penalizing the key to leave for what he did last year. Then on top of that, he's going to get on the sideline and start giggling about it. How do you expect Crouchy to react to that? How do you expect him to react? 
It's a game of football. We're going to go to the callers. Let's go to Dallas. You're live with Outspoken. Talk to me. Hey, Mr. Andre, love your show, man. I called in to comment on the Michael Crabtree and Khalid. Go ahead. Uh, I think they should leave it at that, man. I, both of them deserve the same penalty because, I mean, uh, Michael Crabtree, he could have he left, left it alone. And uh, I think they should just leave that on the football field and don't take it to the streets. It's a, it, it should be over with. Crabtree got his little revenge from last year, and uh, they, they should leave it at that, man. That's all I have to say about it. Well, well, well why, why, while I have you on the phone, sir, and then you, you mentioned, I did say before uh, when the show started that I was, I was going to get a lot of rebuttals and a lot of people was going to disagree agree with me in terms of uh, the same level of punishment, but while I have you on the phone, you know, I want to I want to ask you, you know, just uh, just uh, personally, you know, the the reaction uh, that uh, that Michael Crabtree had, you know, in terms of like getting his uh, chain snatched and everything like that, you know, I have never had my chain snatched before, but one could imagine how I might react if I did get my chain snatched. So in terms of the way uh, Michael Crabtree reacted to getting his name uh, his chain snatched, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, but you got to also understand when, when, when most of the time when people get caught, it's always the, the, the second person that they react to, you know, is the one that get caught. Uh, yeah, I think it was very disrespectful for him to, to jerk his chain off his neck like that, but uh, he, he retaliated and he got his revenge, and I just think they should just let it go. Because, I mean, uh, I'm from Dallas, and Khalif, uh, be here in Dallas a lot, and of course, Michael Crabtree is from Dallas. I watched the kid play uh, when he played for Carter High School, so I know a lot about him as well. But I just think they should just leave that on the field and let that go and go back to playing football. No doubt, no doubt. Appreciate you calling, man. Thanks for calling in. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. All right. You know, um, it, it's real interesting. You know when we uh, when we talk about these things, you know, and it's very important that we that we pay attention to a lot of stuff. Um, you know, you know, as I said before, you know, last caller mentioned, you know, in terms of uh, getting uh, getting his revenge back, and as we talked before, in terms of how people are saying that uh, this was premeditated by Michael Crabtree because he came into this game. Uh, with his, with his chain taped down to his chest and everything like that. I mean, you can call it what you want. I mean, at the same time, can you really blame the guy? That just proves to me that how that Michael Crabtree knows what kind of guy a key to leave is, you know, and how he carries himself both on and off the field, knowing that now on top of that he was going to face a key to leave on the field. It's not like these two. It's not like these guys both play on defense where they're not going to be on the field at the same time. No, they both one plays offense, one plays defense. Then on top of that, one is a wide receiver, one is a cornerback. So which means. 100% of 90 to 100% of the time when they're both on the field, they're going to be lined up across each other, which means they're going to see each other after every single play. And Michael Crabtree knew that going into this game. So he thought, so I'm pretty sure he, you can call it premeditated, because I'm sure he thought to himself, yeah, I'm going to take my chain down. But at the same time, let him try something. Like I said before, it wouldn't surprise, because if you go back and watch the video, you saw how fast, both teams, where well, at least Oakland took off running, 
when the play went out of bounds, when the excessive blocking by Michael Crabtree went out of bounds and he took him to the ground, you saw how fast they got over there. It wouldn't surprise me if Crabtree talked to them during practice leading up to this game. Y'all remember what happened last year, right? Y'all see how the NFL didn't do anything about it? Which lets me know that Aqib Tlaib didn't, didn't learn his lesson the last time. So I'm going to let y'all know now. I'm going to take my chain down. But let him try something. Let him try something. 469-474-9370. Again, that's 469-474-9370. We are 16 minutes past the hour here on Outspoken with yours truly, Andre Davis. Again, visit the website at obnradio.com. Again, that's obnradio.com, channel 6. Call your sisters, your uncles, your brothers, and tell them to tune in to Outspoken as of right now. And we're going to keep things going with the NFL. We're going to jump to the 2-9 and nine New York Giants. This news right here, ladies and gentlemen, it, it really bothered me. It really bothered me. The 2-9 and nine New York Giants have benched Eli Manning for Geno Smith. The New York Giants have fallen to what is known as their worst season, at least from what I can recall. I've only been on this earth 21 years, going on 22 in, uh, in December, December 10th to be exact. But from what I've witnessed, they have fallen to what is known as their worst season in franchise history. Now, the question is, do you agree with this move? That's the question. That's the question that everybody's been debating about. I have to go with absolutely, positively not. Let me explain something to you. Geno Smith has won four out of his last 15 games that he's played. He has a 39.6 QB rating. If we're talking about going another direction, why not David Webb? Again, if we're talking about going another direction, why not to recruit David Webb? Why Geno Smith? Personally, I think Eli Manning has earned the right to at least finish the season off. I mean, what do you have to lose? This is a two-time MVP champion we're talking about. That is Eli Manning, not just some scrub that's just been running this organization down, that's been a New York Giant, just been running their organization into the ground for years to come. I mean, granted, the past three or four seasons hasn't been the way that you anticipated, but how about we take this opportunity to explore other areas? Eli Manning has 210 consecutive starts, 200 which means this is, not, this is not just a guy who gets hurt all the time. He's not injury-prone, doesn't miss too many games, shows up at practice all the time, on time, don't miss any team meetings. I mean, those are just small things, but in terms of his starts, he has 210 consecutive starts, which is two more than his brother Peyton Manning. As I said before, let's, let's explore other areas that's just pitiful with this New York Giants team this year. They're 31st against the run. They're 29th against the pass. They have no offensive line. We saw that. We saw that this entire season. I mean, just too many times where Eli Manning dropped back to pass and he's just running for dear life. And you know he can't run that well because he's a pocket passer. But he's getting dropped every time he every time he dropped back to pass. He has no offensive line, no running game. Oh, and by the way, Eli has no one to throw to this year. I mean, sure, he has Travis Rudolph and Tavares King. But this is a guy who is expected to have Odell Beckham Jr. this year and Brandon Marshall. I just got to say one thing. Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese, I hope you've had your fun. 
because your days of coaching and being a general manager are over. They're finished. Ben McAdoo has been pointing the blame this entire season, but he has failed to look in the mirror. Countless times this year that Ben McAdoo has threw Eli Manning under the bus without saying Eli Manning. And he'll substitute Eli Manning for quarterback. We know who you're talking to. I mean, we know who you're talking about. Threw him under the bus countless times this year. Not once during a press conference have I heard him actually mention the fact that, you know what, tonight was bad coaching. Because, in fact, it was. They played 11 games this season. They only won two. How about you point out the fact that you've been a horrible coach this year? How about you point out the fact that your team offensively and defensively and defensively have quitted on you in several games at the professional level? They're still getting a check regardless, and they decide to quit anyway. That's just how badly they don't want to play for you anymore. And y'all want to bench Eli Manning. For Geno Smith. Let me tell you something. I am all for moving on. I am all for moving forward if you feel like the person that you have is not getting the job done. I'm all for that. But if you're going to move forward, at least have the decency to bring in somebody and replace him that's worthy to be talking about. That's just flat-out disrespectful. Oh, and by the way, this is the same Eli Manning that with other players would have done the opposite thing when the countless times that Ben McAdoo has threw him under the bus, never once has he actually stood up and actually talked about how bad of a coaching job you're doing. Not once. Now, some people will argue that he's too soft that he's too friendly, that he don't take things personally enough. I can tell you this. He took this personally. The media nearly brought him in tears talking about this in terms of him getting benched for Geno Smith. It's flat out disrespectful. I just can't understand this. As I said before, he has four. He has won four out of his last 15 games. He has a 39.6 QBR rating. He stuck up the joint for the New York Jets. Why on earth would you put him in the place now? I mean, now. Again, as I said before, I understand in terms of moving forward to the and moving forward and moving on for somebody that you don't think can get the job done for you. But in my opinion, now again, I'm not a New York Giants fan. I've never been a New York Giants fan, but. I do respect Eli Manning and what he has done for this franchise since he's been there. Two Super Bowl victories. Done beat out the Aaron Rodgers. He done beat the Tom Brady's of the world. He's done that more than once. And y'all replacing with Geno Smith? Granted, if you feel like he's not your guy, Personally, I still feel like he has earned the right just from what he's done. I understand. It's not about what you've done in the past. It's what have you done for me lately. But all we can judge on is what he's done in the past. So 
because of what he's done in the past, I personally feel like he has earned the right to at least finish this season off. I mean, what do you have to lose? You bring in Geno Smith, it's not going to help anything. You're still going to lose. It'd be different if you were placing with somebody that you can actually start winning games with and you have still have an opportunity to make the playoffs, but you don't. You're not going to make the playoffs with or without him, so why not keep him in? Why, why not do that? Or why not David Well? Because certainly you're not trying to say that Geno Smith is your future. Certainly you're not trying to say that. I mean, you would be the laughing stock of the league if you think that Geno Smith is your future moving forward. I know you have more sense than that. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt and saying I know you have more sense than that. Since I know you have more sense than that, why go with him now? Why? It just doesn't make sense. 469-474-9370. Again, that's 469-474-9370. Again, I know there has to be at least somebody that feels strongly about this because this is just a, this is a travesty. I mean, this, this is so flat-out disrespectful. I don't understand it. Again, yes, they are 2-9 and nine right now. No, they would not make the playoffs, which proves my point in terms of why are you, why are you benching him for Geno Smith now? What is that going to prove? What is that going to prove? I can answer that. Absolutely nothing. All you're doing is causing more controversy. If you're Ben McAdoo, if you're Jerry Reese, if you're trying to get fired, this is the perfect way to go out. This is a smart move. You're trying to get fired. I mean, you're going to get fired anyway, but it wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if they just let you go right now. Because that's just crazy. To the calls. Caller, you're live on Outspoken. Talk to me. What's up? Hey, Ms. Andre, I just kind of tell you, I totally agree with you on the Eli Manning situation, but here's something you might not know. They gave Eli opportunity to go ahead on and start, but they just wanted him to play half, half of the game, and they was going to bring in the other guy. And Eli, he didn't want to do that. Oh, no, he didn't want to do that. No, I remember that perfectly. I just hadn't brought it up yet. But at the same time, because still to him in his head, he still felt the disrespect. Well, I mean, I, like I said, you're going to tell me that you're going to bring in this new guy and you don't want me to play a half and you're going to play this other guy in the second half. All of that hit him at once. Yeah. Like I said, I totally agree with you, man. And uh, Eli, he deserves, he, he's earned the right to finish the season. You know, for what he's done for that organization, the championships he's even brought to the organization, he deserved the right to finish the season out. And they could part ways after that if that's what they want to do. But you, you're totally right. He deserved the right to finish the season out. I'm going to hang up and listen. Yes, sir. And, and, again, you know, before I let you go, you know, like I say, you know, it'd be different if he had all his weapons this season and he couldn't get it done. That being your Brandon Marshalls and your Odell, De- Odell Beckham Juniors of the world, and he still couldn't get the job done. Then the question we'll be looking at, okay, you mean tell me you had Brandon Marshall and OBJ and you still couldn't get the ball to him? Now what is wrong with you? But you take them away, no offensive line, the running game sucks. I mean, what is he supposed to do? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, that team, is, is the defense is not playing up to par, and the, off, the offensive line is totally destructive. So, yeah, he's just a wounded duck out there. 
Yeah, he'll warn the duck out there, man. Thank you so much for calling, man. I appreciate you. Call back anytime. All right, thank you. And and the thing is, you know, I, I just – and, again, I've never been a New York Giants fan, particularly because, you know, they're in the NFC East, and the only fan I am is the Dallas Cowboys fan, and we're going to get to them here in just a second as they play the Washington Redskins here tonight on Thursday Night Football. But I've always had respect for Eli Manning. This is a guy who you never heard about in the news. You know, he's never, you know, he never caused any problems. You know, he he's never brought any harm or danger to the New York Giant organization. A a a pro a pro typical leader that you want on your team. That who that is who Eli Manning is. Again, the apple don't fall too far from the tree. I said the same thing about Peyton Manning, a guy who you wanted on your team. Apple didn't fall too far from the tree. Archie Manning. These guys have represented the NFL in a very extremely positive way. I've always looked up to an Eli Manning. Again, never caused any controversy, never brought any unwanted attention to your organization, which is what the NFL say that they're looking for. You know, they don't want guys to bring, un, un, uh, you know, this harm and danger to your organization, this unwanted attention, which is the reason why Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. All these things that the NFL say that they're looking for in a player, that's who Eli Manning is, and he's getting done wrong. He's getting done wrong. I'll close it with this. Like I say, Ben McAdoo, Jerry Reese, I hope you had your fun because your days of coaching and being a general manager are over. They're over. And we're going to jump down to what I hope and pray, you know, and, I, and when I say hope and pray, you know, I feel like they're going to need Jesus and, and two more white people uh, to get this done and the disciples and everything like that. But there's a game coming up tonight, ladies and gentlemen, on NBC to be exact. A big-time game for the Dallas Cowboys. They're taking on the Washington Redskins on Thursday night football. Now, the question is, how important is this win for Dallas? Now, <laughs> this it was important a week ago. I mean, I think important is, is an understatement as of right now, ladies and gentlemen. They're sitting at 5-6. and six. It was important last week when they lost to the L.A. Rams. That's when it was important. But they need to win that game. As I said before, I gave them – Atlanta. I gave them Philadelphia. I did not give them the Rams. Or excuse me, not the Rams, excuse me, the Chargers. The Chargers, excuse me. I did not give them the Chargers. They were not supposed to lose. They were supposed to go 4-2, and two, at worst, 3-3 three and three without Zeke Elliott. Now, somebody asked me the other day, they said, yeah, uh, Zeke Elliott only got uh, one, one more game, two more games at the, at the uh, latest round. I said, man, Zeke Elliott still has three more games. That's how long these past three weeks have been. He still has three more weeks, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to be without 40% of our offense for another three weeks. But as I said before, before the six-game suspension, just mapping everything out. In my opinion, I had them going four and two or three and three at the worst without Ezekiel Elliott, which would have put them at nine and five once he returned or at eight and six. Either way, both two respectable records that can get you into the playoffs, that can get you a wild card spot. But here we are at five and six. I want to I want to talk here for just a moment as we are 30 minutes past the hour here on Outspoken. And before we jump into college football, I want to talk just a moment in terms of the difference that we're starting to notice. Because I feel like a lot of people aren't really paying attention to this. Yes, we don't have Ezekiel Elliott. Yes, he's 40% of our offense. 
Yes, he was a league's leading rusher last year with over 1,600 yards last year. We get all that. And everybody's talking about Dak Prescott. And he's not, and the fact that he's not who everybody thought he was. And that he's finally getting exposed. And that he can't function well without Ezekiel Elliott. How about we look at this just for a moment? And I want you to follow, I want you to follow me for a little bit. The coaching staff did not do a great job in developing Dak Prescott. What do I mean by that? What did they do last year? They ran the ball. Now, this has nothing to do with Ezekiel Elliott because the Cowboys always been a run-first offense. That's what they do. Run the ball, control the clock, keep the fact that their defense is horrible. The only way you can disguise that is to keep them off the field. How do you do that? By running the ball, controlling the clock not giving the ball to the other team's offense. Therefore, our defense don't have to come out to the field. So they did that last year, and it worked for them because nobody knew who Ezekiel Elliott was. Nobody knew who Dak Prescott was. Therefore, Ezekiel Elliott rushed for over 1,600 yards, and that's not, trying to, that's not taking anything, anything away from Ezekiel Elliott because he's extraordinary. He's great. He's phenomenal. He's a very, very talented running back. But you fast forward to this year. Okay, here comes domestic violence. Here comes the battle, the legal battle between Ezekiel Elliott and his representatives and the NFL. Now there's a possibility that you would not, that you would be without 40% of your offense. It was okay last year. He played the whole season, went 13 and three, went to the divisional round and lost to the Green Bay Packers. It was okay last year. Things were different this year. There's a possibility. There was a possibility that you weren't going to have 40% of your offense, and that was Ezekiel Elliott. A great coach would have been started developing Dak Prescott. What I mean by that is stop running on first and second down every time you get the ball. Teams are starting to notice that. On first down, you run the ball. You only gain one yard, you get back to the line of scrimmage. On second down, you run the ball. Now you put yourself in an obvious passing situation on third and nine and third and ten. Now Dak Prescott has to throw the ball but you haven't been developing him. Everybody's questioning Dak Prescott's arm. Can he throw downfield? Well, I got news for you. He hasn't had an opportunity to because they don't call those plays. He's just going to dink and Dak here and there, five and six yards, keep the offense going, and then we're going to run the ball again. That's on play calling. And it worked last year because last year they found themselves in second and five, third and four, third and three, so he didn't have to throw the ball very far. Now you fast forward to this year, the offensive line is not the same. I don't care what anybody says, that's not the same offensive line that we had last year. Tyrod Taylor, uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, uh, Smith, Tyrod Smith is out. You had to put in Chad Green. You got Zach Martin. Doug Freeney retired after last season, even though he needed to because all of the penalties and everything like that. But the offensive line is not as strong as this year as it was last year. And we're starting to notice it. Ezekiel Elliott was averaging at least six yards per carry last year. His average reduced, before the six-game suspension, his average reduced to three yards. He was barely getting back to the line of scrimmage. He was getting stopped in the backfield. We didn't see none of this last year. Teams started to key in on that. And then it got worse when he left. So instead of being in second and five and third and three, now we're at third and eight, third and nine, and third and ten. Now Dak Prescott has to throw the ball. 
You haven't been calling these players for him to throw the ball. Therefore, he's not used to it. We don't need one or two things. He's either forcing it, he's either holding it too long, or he's getting sacked. Because you have not took out the time to develop him. No, you're going to be stubborn and say, no matter if it's Ezekiel Elliott, no matter if it's Rod Smith, no matter if it's Alfred Morris, no matter if it's Darren McFadden, even though they just uh, they just parted ways with him. But when he was on the team, no matter who it is, we're going to run the football. So at this point, it's not even about Ezekiel Elliott. Because people ask Jason Garrett, people ask Jerry Jones, now that you don't have Ezekiel Elliott, are you going to do anything differently on offense? What are you going to do? Are you going to try to change things up? Are you going to try to mix things up? You don't have Ezekiel Elliott. It wasn't even about Ezekiel Elliott because Dallas still decided to run the ball on first and second down no matter who was back there. That lets me know that's your game plan. Hey, I could be the there. I could be the running back. It don't matter who's back there. If you're back there, you're running the football. That's Dallas's offense. Why do you think it's so easy to game plan against Dallas's offense? If you notice, the past few teams, the Chargers did it, the Eagles did it, and the Falcons did it. The past three teams, what did they do? They loaded everybody in the box. Want to know why? Because they know on first down and second down, Dallas is going to run the ball. We're going to force them an obvious passing situation because they're going to run the ball. We don't need to spread our DBs out. We don't need our safeties playing 15 to 20 yards off the ball. No, bring them in and have them playing like like some secondary linebackers, and we're going to stop the run because that's their entire offense. So you didn't develop your quarterback, and you're wondering why he's turned the ball over. You're wondering why he's not making those crisp throws that you need him to. You haven't developed him to do such a thing. You've been running it this whole time. Dallas don't throw the ball. The Cowboys throw the ball when it's necessary, and that is not a good offense. That's easy. If on the defense, you don't think I know that it's third and 10, third and 12, that you're going to throw the ball? Duh. That's easy to pick up on. That's an easy game plan. That's easy to stop. There was already questioning last year, even during the preseason, even this year, about Dak's arm. There was already some some speculation about that. It was a little iffy. But when you got a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who can get you over 1,500, yards rushing per season, you can hide it. You can disguise it. But what about when he's gone? Which is what we're witnessing now. I'm telling you, this five and six record that we are experiencing is due to the lack of coaching by Jason Garrett. The lack of coaching by Jason Garrett is finally getting exposed to the fullest. Everything was somewhat fine when he was just the offensive coordinator, getting paid as if he was the head coach. That was a flag right there for me because his salary was was bigger than some head coaches. And he took over for Wade Phillips in 2010, and, of course, they ended up going 6-10. and 10. I mean, there was nothing we can do about that season. I mean, Wade Phillips was just running our season into the ground. There was nothing we can do about that. He took over in 2010. The season after that, he gets a head coaching job. They go 8-8 eight and eight for the next three seasons to come. 
Nobody says anything. Nobody puts up a red flag, a yellow flag, nothing. Even eight for the past three seasons, nobody says anything. Okay. Here comes 2014. And then and now you finally get a strong performance out of your running back, DeMarco Murray, after the many toe injuries that he had. You're rushing for over 1,700 yards. Now you went 12-4 and four that season, and you lost in the divisional round playoff game against the Green Bay Packers. Fast forward to 2015, the following year, what happens? Everybody leaves, you go 4-12. and 12. Nobody says anything. Last year, his failed coaching ability, or the lack thereof, I should say, were hidden yet again by two rookies that did your job for you. And then you fast forward to 2017. Teams are starting to figure these guys out. As I said before, he wasn't the same on first and second down. Barely getting back to the line of scrimmage. Getting only one yard here, two yards there. And Jason Garrett couldn't adjust. You don't start to notice that your running back has to get 20-plus, 25-plus carries just to get 88 yards rushing? That doesn't alarm you in any way at all? At that point, you're just being stubborn. You've been stubborn and you've been stupid. One to two, if not both. And now that you don't have 40% of your offense, even though you have Prescott, Dak, Prescott, Dez, Witten, Beasley, Williams, Butler, you are clueless as to what you should do. And we're seeing it. 469-474-9370. Again, that's 469-474-9370. Now, they got the Washington Redskins tonight. On channel NBC, to be exact, both of y'all are five and six. Both of y'all are still playing for something. Lord knows what's going to happen. I don't know what to say at this point. I gave you two games. You've now taken three. Let's move on to college football. New top four playoff rankings, to be exact. They've come out, and we have Clemson at number one, Auburn at number two, Oklahoma at number three, Wisconsin at four, Alabama at five, Georgia at six, and Miami at seven. The question is, do you agree? I want you to call into the show, voice your concerns, your opinions. I want to know, do you agree with these rankings? And if not, who is your top four to make it to the playoffs? Now, for me, now this is in no particular order, my four. After what I have observed and witnessed this entire 2017 college football season, my top four, and again, no particular order, Oklahoma, Miami, Auburn, and Alabama. Now, some may say that I'm putting Miami back into the top four prematurely after losing 24-14 to Pittsburgh this this, this past week. But in the same breath, I personally feel like Miami – will rewrite their wrongdoings when they not only face but beat Clemson in the ACC championship game and prove once and for all what I've been saying this entire season, that Clemson is just not that team this year. They just don't do it for me. I've watched these guys play, and I'm telling you all, they are not that team this year. I just don't see it. Yes, you beat Georgia Tech, but who are they? Yes. You beat NC State. 
And, yes, you beat Florida State. But who are they this season without a quarterback, Francosis, who got hurt in the first game of the season? They haven't been the same all year. But you cannot lose to Syracuse and expect me to take you seriously. The only win I'll give Clemson this season, the only win that I will give Clemson this season is the win against Auburn in the second game of the season. And they won by the score of 14-6 to to be exact. Now, it was a hard-fought game. And I ultimately still had Auburn winning that game, but the offense, the offensive line could protect Jared Stid, uh, Stidham. He was sacked multiple times for negative 42 yards for crying out loud. But that's the only game that I give them this evening. All the other wins on their record, they don't mean I throw them out the window. They don't mean anything to me. And Miami will prove that this weekend. Like I said before, yes, they lost to Pittsburgh. They shouldn't have lost that game. I give them that loss. I sincerely do. But with the way that this Miami team has been playing all season long, I can guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, that won't happen twice. It won't happen two weeks in a row. And if it does, I personally will come on this show outspoken and apologize to all of you on behalf of the Miami Hurricanes. I have no affiliation with the team, the coaches, the players, the program, the school, nothing. I've never even been to Miami. But I will come on this show, and I will gladly apologize to each and every one of you. That's how confident, that's how much confidence I have in this Miami program. And that they will not only beat Clemson, they will kick them out of the top four, they will make their way back into the top four. Because Miami should be in that Clemson spot. Maybe not at number one, but they should be in that top four spot. Because they've earned it this year. Unlike Clemson. Losing to Syracuse, who was built on this basketball program. And yeah, now you're sitting at number one. You've got to be kidding me. I just don't agree with it. Four six nine four seven four nine three seven zero again. That's four six nine four seven four nine three seven zero. Now, in terms of the SEC championship game, of course, it's a battle of the East versus the West. And in the East, we already know it's going to be Georgia. That's a fact. But in terms of the West, after a statement twenty six to fourteen win against Alabama, Auburn has written their own ticket to the SEC championship. I mean, we got to give it up for this Auburn program. They showed up, they showed out, they embarrassed Alabama and Nick Saban and have written their ticket to the SEC championship game against Georgia. This is the same Auburn team that beat Georgia early in the early part of the season, 40-10. to 10. I mean, just showed up and it just, just ran through them like eggs run through a lactose intolerant person. I mean, just ran through them like water. That's what they did. I mean, they shut down the explosive running attack by Georgia, this running attack that came into that game averaging 250 yards per game. They shut that down to only 48. That's a huge difference. So, we're going to see a repeat, ladies and gentlemen, for the SEC championship game. Georgia, representing the East, taking on Auburn from the West. 
Now, there's been some controversy about that because Nick Saban feels that even though they lost to Auburn, who's in the same district, by the way, see, it'd be different if Auburn was in the east. Auburn is in the west. Alabama's in the west. That made that game even more important for Alabama to win, and they didn't get the job done. Now, Nick Nate, we all know how successful Nick Saban has been at Alabama. We know that. We understand how successful the football program has been in recent years, past years, whatever you want to call it. So Nick Saban feels because of that, they should still be in the top four. That one loss shouldn't be enough to kick them out. My question is, how clueless are you? I'm not saying that he does have that he doesn't have a valid point because at this at this particular point I would certainly replace him place Alabama with Clemson in a heartbeat. That is how much I don't want them in the top four. So from that particular perspective, I would certainly replace them with Clemson. And from that perspective, he does have a valid point. But you're Nick Saban. You know how this works. You know that one loss can get you kicked out. That's how it works. It took them years to even come up with a system, which I still think the system is wrong. But it took them a while to even come up with a playoff system. At one particular point, they didn't even have that. So they're progressing. They're getting better. But you can't sit up here and say that you're clueless as to what's going on. Because you're Nick Saban. You know what the deal is. But at this point, it is what it is. And as the show nearly comes to an end, we're going to jump to the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. Again, 469-474-9370. Again, that's 469-474-9370. After a 108-121 to loss to the Orlando Magic, OKC has fallen to 8-12 and on the season. Now, the question is, is it panic time? I'm going to answer that by saying it's not panic time, but I am a bit concerned. Now, in this game, Aaron Gordon, who is known for his dunking ability, went off for 40 points and 15 rebounds. 40 and 15. What was the defense? Something that made this team special coming to this game. OKC was ranked fourth in points allowed per game. I didn't see that last night. Westbrook finished with 37 points. On 11 for 23 shooting, he was 70% from three-point, 11 rebounds, five assists, and five steals, and they still lost. And the question is, why is that? And I'll tell you why. All three superstars have not figured out how to play with each other within the flow of the offense. I'm talking about Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George. And that may have some of the blame that we may need to put on Billy Donovan. Just maybe. Carmelo's averaging 20.6 rebounds in 32 minutes this season. Paul George is averaging 20.6 and 6 rebounds in 37 minutes. Westbrook is averaging 22, 9 assists, and 9 rebounds in 35 minutes this season. He's on path to another triple-double average on this season, which is something that I did not think was going to happen, was not going to have to happen this year, rather. 
The reason why is because I figured, okay, last year you averaged a triple-double because you had to. The only other help you had was Victor Oladipo, and he stayed hurt. So, of course, you can rely on Ennis Cantor and Steve Adams to get the job done for you. There was no other superstars on the team. Durant left you and went to Golden State, so you had no choice. So I figured surely this year, with the addition of Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, that he was not going to have to work as hard. But you're on path to averaging another triple-double, and you have two more all-stars on your team, future Hall of Famers, if we're being correct, and you still have to average a triple-double. That's a problem. But the only reason why I say it's not panic time, because this is the same OKC team that beat Golden State in the early part of the season. The defending champion Golden State Warriors, to be exact. With a healthy Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. That Golden State. This is that same program. It's not panic time, but they need to figure it out. Do something. But I better see this team in the postseason. That's all I got to say. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, before we wrap things up, there was another game last night that I want you all to pay attention to. That was the Lakers and Lonzo Ball taking on Chef Curry and the Golden State Warriors last night. And this game was important because of those of you that remember Lonzo Ball's father, LeVar Ball, talking trash during the offseason about how his son is better than Steph Curry. If you remember that, this is the first time we got a, we got a chance to see Lonzo Ball and Steph Curry and Steph Curry play each other this season. And the game went into overtime, and Golden State were victorious by the score of 127 to 123. And the question is, what was the biggest takeaway from this game? For me personally, the biggest takeaway was how aggressive Lonzo Ball was playing. I mean, he finished with 15 points and 10 rebounds. That's all I've been asking for. It shows some assertiveness. Show that you want it. He was the number two overall pick. You can't possibly be playing the way that you're playing and expect to get away with it. Again, I don't care if you went 1-23. At least show that you want it. That was the biggest takeaway I had last night, that he actually showed that he actually wanted to be out there, that he actually wanted to play. And that's all I wanted to see. Again. The shot will get there. Everybody's talking about his shot or the fact that it's ugly. It's, it's, it looks it look conflicted. Everybody's talking about that. This is the same shot that we saw last year. He was at UCLA. We saw this last year. He had the same shot, and it went in. So what's the difference now? He just needs to get more comfortable in it, and he's going to do that. He's going to get more and more comfortable. I still have this L.A. Lakers team going to the playoffs this season. Yes, even if they're the number eight seed, which more than likely they will be the number eight seed, I still feel like they have the tools to do so. You got Jordan Clark that's coming off the bench and giving you 20 points a game. You got Julius Randle that's coming off the bench and still giving you 20 points a game. Last night, Brandon Ingram went off for 32 points. He's playing exceptionally well this year. You got the other rookie, Kyle Kuzma, who's been balling, who's being the true rookie this year, unlike Lonzo Ball. They got all these tools to make the playoffs this year, and I still say that they're going to get the job done. But only time will tell. Only time will tell. 
And at this point, I am out of time, ladies and gentlemen. The show has come to an end. I want to thank you all so much for joining us. I want to thank our producer, the man himself, the mastermind and creator behind OBN Radio, that is the doctor, Dr. Mike Prince himself. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I want to thank you, the fans, for listening to the show. Again, you can only listen to the show on obnradio.com, channel 6. Again, that's obnradio.com, channel 6. If you haven't done so already, visit our website at obnradio.com and make your donations today. Again, that's obnradio.com. We've been serving the community through faith and athletics since 2002, and we are the voice of student athletics. I'm out of time, ladies and gentlemen, so I will be signing off. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to the show. You have been listening to the Outspoken Podcast with yours truly, Andre Davis. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.